reminded uh, singing Surrounded just now that there's joy in the battle when your weapon is prayer and thanksgiving. So I don't know if you need a weapon today because you've got a battle, but prayer and thanksgiving, they are there for you. You want to fight back today. Prayer and thanksgiving. Thanks for that, you guys. Uh, you can clap for them. That's cool. Hi. My name is Sarah Haas. I am the creative director here. And uh, on a Sunday, that means that I stand at the back and I talk to all the people. And uh, they push all the buttons and then make all the things go. Essentially what we do. And um, I just wanted to take a minute to recognize the tech crew. Um, the, Joel's going to put up a slide. These are all the people that have served every Sunday since March to bring you a service online and in the room. And this doesn't happen without them. And I am so incredibly grateful for all of them. They will never know how incredibly grateful I am for them. And it is a privilege to be with them every Sunday. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed and just completely blown away every time by their generosity and how they bring their talent and their time. And um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you to them. Speaking of generosity, Heartland, you have been incredibly generous. With Gifts from the Heart, we have 434 gifts that we've received so far. Our goal is 650, so we're 67% there. You still have four days. We're gonna, uh, the deadline is December 10th. And so if you want to go online and make a donation, uh, you can do so by going to heartlandchurch.org. And um, there's an online option only if you want. Uh, for those of you who um, don't want to come to the building, you can totally do everything online uh, if you wish. So thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for all of that. Um, again, we, we love gifts from the heart. It's always amazing to see um, how Heartland shows up every year uh, in just an amazing way. Uh, in all things Christmas, we also have Christmas Eve services. They will be Thursday, December 24th at 3, 5, and 11 p.m. Um, if you are coming to the building, if you're choosing to come to the building, child care is provided at the 3 and the 5 only. And we do also ask this year that you go to heartlandchurch.org forward slash Christmas and reserve space. Um, we want to make sure that we keep our numbers in a healthy place and that we create a safe environment for all of you. So we would love it if you could go on and reserve a spot. Uh, for the uh, online people, I would love to see you do some online watch parties. You can Zoom all your people. You can FaceTime all your people. You can WebEx all your people, however you get to all your people. Uh, and you can give shout-outs online. Um, I would love to see um, how you guys get connected um, to your people and watch the service together. 
And um, new also, this year will be at the 11 p.m. Uh, we will be streaming the 11 p.m., which we've never done before. And um, for those of you who will still be wrapping presents, just me. It's mostly just me. But anyway, uh, so you can join me, and we can wrap presents together. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I'm just really excited about uh, this series. We're kicking off our Christmas series today. It's called Looking Back. And it's looking at the impact that Jesus had in the, in the, uh, to the characters in the story of the Christmas story. And I, yeah, I'm just really excited for what God has um, in it for us this season and what it can teach us about how we deal with an impact event. Um, maybe you have heard of one this year. You can think of something that may have impacted everybody you know, something. I'm sure you'll be able to come up with it. Uh, Seth Davidson's going to come up in just a second and kick us off. Um, when he does, and I just completely embarrass him, online you have a responsibility also of uh, embarrassing him as well, and um, just applause, applause, applause. He really loves it when you do that. So, um, <laughs> I also want to, we're going to kick off with the uh, Christmas bumper. It was created by uh, the creative team um, and shot and edited and beautifully done by Brian Kennedy, who's our visual storyteller, and I'm just incredibly proud of it. So, love you all. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> and thanks. Stop it, you're embarrassing me. 
I don't know about you, but there's nothing like the look of sheer joy on the face of a child to put in perspective the wonder of Christmas, is there? You see, we have the privilege looking back now 2,000 years later to know what happens in the Christmas story that God loved us enough to send his son into the world, not just to lead us back to God, but to become one of us and to show up that first Christmas as a giggling, dribbling baby boy. And so out of that overflowing heart, we give gifts and we sing songs and we experience the wonder and the majesty of Christmas and then we grow older and the stories become mundane. But this series is our attempt to look back at what the perspective would have been like for those original characters who had the first-hand experience of God showing up in real time in their day. And so we'll look at people like Elizabeth and Zechariah who experience a visitation of the Lord, giving them hope in a hopeless time, and things like the shepherds who see God show up with a message that says, I'll bring good news of great joy and we'll consider on Christmas Eve what it might have been like to be Mary who had heard the stories that a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and you'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. And wonder what that would have been like as she's riding on a donkey nine months pregnant to deliver this God's son. But before we look at these biblical stories, there's one perspective of the Christmas story I want to start with. It's one that's very familiar to us, but probably not one you'd expect to hear about in church. It's the perspective of this guy. This is, of course, the Grinch who tried to steal Christmas. And so we know from the words of the good Dr. Seuss that every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch hated Christmas He lived up north, and he did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Don't ask me why. I don't quite know the reason. It might have been that his shoes were too tight. It could have been that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all, and if you know the words, kids, you could say this with me, is that his heart was two sizes too small. Nice work. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, the Grinch stood there on Christmas hating the Who's. Now we need to stop here, and I've been asking the question, what would cause someone to hate Christmas so much? Like who on earth could hate a Who? Look at, look at the, I mean, they're so adorable. Like they're so happy. Who would poo-poo the who's? And of all people, who might want to cause Cindy Lou Who to cry boo-hoo? What's the killjoy Grinch? That's who. It's a fun way to kind of start our series, but it's made me think this season because I think if, if 2020 was a Christmas story, it would be the Grinch, That's what we've experienced, many of us, because there have been so many things this year and even this season to steal and kill our joy, hasn't there been? We've been through a a brutal political and social climate of divisiveness. We continue to be social distancing six feet apart, and as difficult as that is, it's nothing compared to the miles of distance so many of us feel from the relationships that matter most. 
For many of us, this year has been just a continual series of losses, maybe loss of a job or an income, loss of opportunities. Maybe for some of us, we're feeling a sense of a loss of purpose. For my family and I, these last three or four weeks, it's been a really difficult season of quarantine, being out of school for my oldest son, and my daughter had an accident. She's hurt her foot. She's been to the ER. She's been on crutches. It's been a difficult sort of season. And I got to tell you, there's been many times where I've felt like the Grinch over this time. And so it's made me wonder what happens, like how does joy erode in life? Because I just have a theory. I don't know what was in Dr. Seuss's mind, but I don't think the Grinch was born a Grinch. I think it happened over time as as events would happen, difficulties, disappointments, and over time, his heart just grew smaller to the point where he became the Grinch, to the point where he hated even Christmas. And the only thing that gave him purpose as a joyless being was to bring joy to everyone else. Now, does anyone know anyone like this? Well, here's the good news. I believe, and we'll see from our text today, that no matter who you are and no matter where you've been, there's the opportunity and invitation to experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas season. And so we'll look at Matthew 2, and we're going to begin by looking at an actual real-life Grinch character that we find in evil King Herod. It's written in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're told Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Well, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. We don't know all the reasons why King Herod had a shriveled, ugly heart, but we do know about his character from history. We know he was a ruthless king. He was a murderer. And so any thought of this newborn king didn't sit well with him. And in fact, there's an evil, dark turn in the story that if we were to continue reading Matthew 2, we would see where it puts just like this, Herod makes up in his mind that he's going to search for the child to kill him. Not just take his presence. The evil King Grinch Herod, this killjoy character, wanted to stop Christmas at its inception. But there's a fascinating and beautiful sort of turn to the story because the way Matthew tells of the good news of Jesus' birth is this juxtaposition of evil King Herod and these unlikely characters from the East called the wise men. You may be familiar with some of their story, and it's actually their story I want to focus on today. So let's read this account again from their perspective, continuing on. Well, Jesus was born in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed about this, and he went and we're told he asked his religious scholars, and they're like, well, he'd be born in Bethlehem, of course, and so Herod tells them, and 
Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Well, after this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. It's fascinating and it's beautiful. See, what we might have expected is when the newborn king of the Jews came, that Herod would be the one at the front, the processional welcoming him in as the savior of God's people, but in fact, he was the Grinch who tried to kill Christmas. But there were these pagan astrologers that came from the east. They were likely called magi, uh, wise men, in the royal courts of Babylon. That's modern-day Iraq, far from the heart of God. Didn't know the Hebrew scriptures, didn't know about Israel's God, but they were true searchers of God, and they looked up at the stars in the sky to try to find what they would mean to people today. They were very influential. So we don't know a ton about those, these obscure figures, nor do we know much about that star that caught their attention in the night sky or the natural events behind the supernatural phenomenon of this star. There are some theories There are some who think that the star or this series of stars were comets that look like stars, bright stars in the sky. That's possible. There are others, I was intrigued by this studying this week, who who described it as, let me get the words right, a triple conjunction, meaning there's the sun out there and the earth here, and Saturn and Jupiter would eclipse on top of one another in view, creating a beautiful bright flash in the heavens, an event that only happens every 800 or so years, and in fact, hasn't happened since the Middle Ages, but will happen December 21st of this year. Fascinating. Another theory is that maybe a new star was actually born in a constellation. And if that happened, when a nova is born, it could appear bright at a certain point and then wane and then appear bright over the course of weeks, if not months, during this time or so I've read. Now, we don't know what it was, but we do know that these wise men were true spiritual searchers, that they were compelled by what they saw in the night sky, so much so that they went on a great journey to find the answers to their questions and wind up meeting God himself. And they came to know of this plan of God through the revelation of God's creation. Now, we know that it's only in Jesus that we have the fullness of God's revelation and through the scriptures, but God speaks at all times and all ways through creation, through community, through all sorts of things. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make themselves known. They make him known. They speak without a sound or word, yet their voice is never heard. But yet, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. So somehow, some way, from studying the stars, God spoke through the night sky, and these wise men knew that there was a newborn 
king of the Jews. It's stunning to me. It gives a great rise of hope because whoever you are and wherever you've been, there's an invitation to the joy of God through Jesus, and we see it right here in the heart of the Christmas story. I've just been captivated by that. Well, theirs isn't the only story of those who've looked to the sky and found the truths of God. There's a man by the name of Galileo who wrote a book called Sidereus Nuncius. I think I mispronounced that, but that doesn't matter. And he spent his whole life studying and staring into the night sky. And in that, he saw the handiwork of God follower of Jesus, active in the church. And that book was so compelling and so uh, people couldn't even deal with what it was talking about because he had made the audacious claim that God's universe didn't revolve around the earth and us, but that the earth revolved around God revolved around the, the sun, the earth revolved around the sun. It was, it was this compelling idea. But it was his heart of faith looking to the sky that helped him understand these truths and through them to understand God. And in that book, he says, all truths are easy to understand. Once they are discovered, the point is to discover them. Isn't that a beautiful little phrase? His book, it means starry messenger. That's what the title is called. And so 1,600 years earlier, these three wise men had packed up their camels. They left their homes in the east. They traveled at their own expense over 400 miles, over mountains, through deserts, across seas, perhaps only journeying at night so that they could see the brightness of the star. As they followed the starry messenger to see where it would lead, and they finally arrived in Israel, and of course they went to Jerusalem to the temple because that's where a king would be born and live, but they didn't find him there. They were told to go to Bethlehem, and where did they find this newborn king? Born to peasant children in a stable. God's son, Emmanuel, God with us. And here's how he concludes. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I take encouragement Hope and peace and joy rise within me in counting the story because it speaks to us that whoever you are and wherever you've been, the message of Jesus, the joy of the season is accessible to you and God will turn over heaven and earth to reveal that. I believe that at all times, but particularly during this season. So as we begin our series, I want us to focus on the wise men's perspective and ask God to be cultivating that in us individually and collectively as a church today. Because in their perspective, I believe we can experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas. Three things they were and three things you and I could be inspired by their story. First is this, for you and for me, that we would be a searcher of God. 
wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, can you re-up your desire to search and follow God in whatever way you see fit? I don't know if you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time or if you're still exploring the claims of Jesus. Continue to search for God. I don't know if you're at an exciting point in your life where you're feeling forsaken. Don't give up the search. Whether it feels like a journey, the desert, or a high mountaintop, continue to search for God. Second thing that they did, they were bringers of gifts. They didn't just stop at the Amico on the way into Bethlehem to give a gift to the king. They brought it 400-some miles. We're in a season of giving gifts, and that's appropriate, and we should be doing that. But as you're searching God, have eyes open for the people in your life that he'd put in front of you and bring them gifts. Carry them in your heart. Thank, pray, reflect, give a timely sense of that gift. And I believe that as you're searching God and seeking to be bring gifts to those around you, you'll discover the joy of the season, which I believe is rooted in the person of Jesus. See, again, I don't think you and I are born to be like the Grinch, to be joyless, nor do I think we're born just inherently having that sense of joy. I think it's cultivated over time. I also think there are times in your life where it's just too much. You can't always choose joy. But as you're doing the work of trying to seek God, of trying to love those around you, I do believe that God will show up and there will be times and moments where you will discover, like the wise men, the joy of Jesus. Joy in whatever season you're in. So I've been experiencing this sort of joy through, of all things, my kids and my daughter Stella in particular and her group of friends during this season. As I think you heard or as I shared at the beginning, like this has been a challenging time for the Davidson family. Drew home from school quarantining Stella about three weeks ago. She was doing a one-handed cartwheel because of course you do that when you're seven and she uh, hit a glass table uh, huge cuts in her, in her foot, 14 stitches, a fracture. And so that was the first of three trips to the ER or hospital. And her poor foot just wasn't healing correctly. We were trying to figure that out. That's been our last three or four weeks. And finally, on Friday, she was able to get in and have a surgery, and that went really well. But clearly, that's been difficult for Stella and for our family. But if you would ask me, what my highlight has been over the last three weeks, like I, the thing I've said over and over is Stella's resilient spirit in the midst of this challenging time. It's been her father that's been more of the Grinch, but she has been a rock star throughout this time. Now, it's been difficult. There have been times she, she's like, stupid foot, this hurts, I can't go, like typically at night. <laughs> and she cries and we console her. But each morning she wakes up, she's a go-getter, she's on her crutches, she's doing all the things, and she's humming and singing as she goes. And so I've been seeing in her these marks of joy 
I've been seeing her searching for God during this time. So with Drew not being able to go to school, Holly or I have been driving Stella by herself, and we always try to pray with our kids before we drop them off, and it goes as well as it does with your kids, believe me. But this particular week, she has wanted to pray, and she's prayed each day, God, will you bless everyone in the world, which is awesome, and she's been asking for snow. And as a father and as a pastor, and I looked at the forecast and I didn't see any snow, I encouraged her on Tuesday, I wouldn't pray that, or if you do, just know it'll come sometime in the next few months. Well, what happened on Wednesday? It may not have snowed in your part of Kansas City, but it snowed in ours. This beautiful prayer of my daughter that God saw fit in that moment to answer. She was just authentically searching for God. She's been the recipients of many bringing her gifts. Yes, thoughtful cards and treats, but giving the gift of themselves, coming to sit with her. She's got this great group of friends. And through her story, uh, because each time she went to the two ER visits and then the hospital, she was given a little stuffed animal. And so her friend, Livia Vile, who's 11, thought that's incredible to give to children who are suffering. And she has a little business that's doing quite well called Crafty Girl. She sells wood things that she's made on Etsy. And so she had the idea, I'd love to give up to $500 to Children's Mercy to fund gifts like this and supplies for kids as they're recovering. And she could have just written a check, but instead, she carried that in her heart and she posted, hey, I'd love to give up to $500 if you will match that. She could have just given it, but she's carried it in her heart and allowed others, including my family, to participate. I've seen these children searching for God and being bringers of gifts. And as they're doing it, they're discovering joy And most significantly, at least from my perspective, is I'm discovering the joy of Jesus through the most unlikely of circumstances. Through crutches and an injured foot, through the beautiful community of seventh grade girls, through the love of family and friends and neighbors, through the tender care and compassion of her brother, through the way that God works through relationships, she shouldn't have been able to get in with this surgeon this week, but within 48 hours she was able to because of a network of relationships and I believe God's sovereignty and the same God that saw fit to cause that star to be seen in the east was so kind to just let it snow on Wednesday. Not everywhere in Kansas City, but over our house in Stella's school. Whoever you are and wherever you've been, you have a God who saw fit to leave heaven, to come to earth, to search you out. And because he did, no matter where you are, you can experience, like I have, the joy of Jesus, no matter the circumstances this season. So that's our hope and our prayer for you, for me, for us this Christmas season, that we would experience the joy, the hope, the peace, the life of Jesus. So will you search for God? Will you be a bringer of gifts to give others? And I believe that as you do, you'll discover the joy of Jesus 
And you and I can be his hands and feet to share that joy with the world. Are we in? Can we do this? Let's do it. In lieu of a prayer, let me just offer this blessing to us this Christmas season. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his hope and joy and peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.